Well, hello everyone. I'm your host, Cindy Ketzel. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. In this podcast, we team up with experts to bring you the best in HR, talent management, and business strategy. We have been so delighted to hear from many of you about different topics and keep that up. If you do have a specific topic you'd be interested in suggesting, please email us at podcasts at hci.org. Hey, you all, I am so, so thrilled to have Ryan Jenkins here with us today. And you guys have all probably figured out I'm a little bit of an internet hound. So as I was prepping to meet with Ryan today, I want to share with you all what I've learned about him. Ryan is an internationally recognized keynote speaker, virtual trainer, and a Wall Street Journal best-selling author on the topics of leadership, generational differences, workplace loneliness, and future of work. Ryan is also an active columnist for Inc. Magazine, an entrepreneur magazine, for over a decade. He's been working to instill the tools to succeed in the new era of work over this last decade. Ryan's headlines are, this is what I love. I just worked through his website here and I just, I I really thought each of these were just great. 10 years, 10 countries, three continents, a proven thought leader, a cutting edge researcher, a zealot for learning. And Ryan has, by the way, also co-founded Sync Learning Experiences and that's Sync, S-Y-N-C, he is a proud husband and dad, a cute little girls I saw. And I know you do some podcast hosting too, so I was super excited to see that. And we were so fortunate to have Ryan at HCI to present at our virtual conference, Supporting Wellbeing in the Workplace. What a timely topic for us, definitely as we're in the state of work and heading into a new year. But while I was listening in to Ryan's presentation, this is one of many things I heard while he was chatting, but one of the things that I really loved, and it's apropos for what we're going to be talking about here, is connection is the most valuable workplace currency. And I just was like, wow, that one has to be written down. What a profound statement. As a matter of fact, Ryan's most recent book is titled Connectable how leaders can move teams from isolated to all in. And that, folks, that will be our topic today for Nine to Thrive. Welcome, welcome, Ryan. Thanks for having me, Cindy. Looking forward to this convo. Yeah, we're so fortunate that some of our listeners will get to hear um, some of what you've been doing a couple of times. We're so grateful to have you back. So thank you. Thank you. As we get started, I just mentioned to you, first of all, that statement, wow, connection is the most valuable workplace currency. Like I said, there were a lot of things that you mentioned in your presentation, but that just really stuck with me. But can you tell us, speaking of that statement, can you tell us a little bit about this book, Connectable, that you've recently co-authored and how that kind of came to be? Yeah, so I've studied the future of work for about a decade, and how I looked at the future of work was through the lens of generations, and specifically the emerging generations. And I always thought it was fascinating studying the emerging generations, because they their behaviors and studying the context in which they came of age, they gave us data points into what we could expect in the future. 
And it was in studying Gen Z and writing a book about Gen Z, the youngest generation entering the workforce, I found that 79% of that generation reported sometimes or always feeling lonely or disconnected. And of course, that just jumps right out at you, right? And I found that very alarming. And so I wanted to figure out why this was happening and what we could do to help this generation as, again, they became the fastest growing generation in the workforce over the next decade. And so that got me really interested in this idea of connection and what does it look like, especially in the, the modern age of work. And then this was all pre-pandemic, if you can believe it. Yes. And then the pandemic happened. I and I brought, brought all this uh, connection research to my clients thinking, hey, do you want to talk about connection? And of course, everyone wanted to. And that accelerated our research. We did. We surveyed over 2,000 global workers and worked closely with 50 global uh, companies to try to figure out what are they doing that's working well that we can distill for everyone else. And that's what we've packaged up in the book Connectable. That's amazing. We also do webcasts at HCI and I had a guest um, Edie Goldberg on my webcast and she had talked about like reskilling internal to organizations to help people move around. And same as you, Ryan, like they had talked about it before 2020. So same with you, it kind of excelled <laughs> in its need. And that's what it sounds like for you too. This became such the connection or disconnection of people became so relevant over the last couple of years. So talk to us then. I know in your presentation with us at HCI, you kind of used that language, the state and stake of disconnection at work. So tell us a little bit about that. What have you been seeing, especially with all this research that you've done? Yeah, so certainly um, loneliness and disconnection has been growing for a long time. Uh, if you look back since 1985, we have 33% less friends than we did back then. Um, so our circle of influence and our circle of connections is shrinking. And so yes, it's leading to more loneliness. And so it was increasing before the pandemic. And then as you mentioned, it accelerated during the pandemic. Now, um, because it's increasing, that's there's some good news there. And that means this is malleable, right? Whatever goes up can also come down. And so I think we're at this unique uh, stage in humanity that we can we can begin to understand what this is and getting our hands around. So that's really step one is to try to figure out the, what is this? You know, what is loneliness? How important is connection uh, to all of us? And once we get our hands around it, we can take some very proactive steps in, uh, you know, turning the tide and making uh, for much more connected teams and families and uh, communities. Um, so that's kind of the state. And, and of course, our research kicked off with uh, Generation Z and that data point I shared earlier. But when we surveyed all these global workers, we found that 72% of them uh, experienced disconnection at least monthly with 55% saying at least weekly. Um, so this it's still acute amongst emerging generations. But it's something we all experience. And at the end of the day, loneliness is a universal human condition. We all experience it. And in fact, it's useful, right? It's a uh, it's our literally our biological cue that we're stronger together and that we belong together. Um, and so that that's kind of the overall state. And we also found that 69% of employees aren't satisfied with the opportunities for connection at work. So we're disconnected. We're wanting more connection. And oftentimes, we're not quite sure where to get it or what it looks like or even I, th I think we're quick to label it burnout or languishing or anxiety. And I think the central source of, of a lot of this, um, this friction and these challenges 
is around being disconnected. And so that's kind of the the state, I guess the stakes, first and foremost, it's really detrimental to our health and we're just getting our hands around it. But um, they say it's, you know, having chronic loneliness can have as big of an impact um, or the same impact as smoking 15 cigarettes per day because our body goes into this state of fight or flight. So your body's in this high stress state when you're experiencing loneliness and that's extremely detrimental to your physical uh, well-being. So our physical well-being is at stake, but also, you know, recruitment improves when we feel a sense of connection at work. Our performance goes up by 56% when we feel like we have a strong connection And then the last data point I'll share, which is the most compelling in my eyes, and this was a a recent report done by BetterUp in 2022, and they found that when folks have a strong connection at work, they're 313, 313%. I didn't uh, misquote that. I was like, you can't make that up. I know I get it. 313% less intent to quit. So um, a lot of the talent issues that we're all faced with, I think one of the biggest levers we can pull right now is to focus on on connection. And you packed a lot into that response there. And like my early career was in the field of social work. So I'm very close to mental health and what comes along with that, which I think could be a whole other podcast. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is a lot related to um, which I do think we've seen an increase in over the last couple of years, at least our organizations being more mindful of their workforce members' mental health, which I suspect is very much playing into what you're talking about um, with that uh, connection and disconnect. And you had mentioned, I think, what you said, 60 9% are not satisfied. I, I believe workforce members are not satisfied with their connections at work. Yeah. So how have you been able to, or how are you working with folks to help address, to start changing that tide, I guess? Yeah. I, you know, I mentioned earlier, first step is awareness, right? To understand that this is a challenge and it's very real and we're all facing it. And to your point around mental health, I'll do a quick uh, sidestep here. Um, some of the research we highlighted in the book that I found really fascinating, most audiences eat it up to. It's this research where they were studying what exclusion does to our brain. And so they studied a group of individuals and they put these individuals through an experience of exclusion and their brains lit up. That's of course, not surprising, but where their brains lit up was really uh, insightful. And it was the part of the brain that lit up when they experienced exclusion was the same part of the brain that registers physical pain. So yes, being excluded or isolated or disconnected from a team uh, is experienced the same as being physically hit. So back to your comments around mental health, it's so important because um, while someone, you know, this is how I like to think about it. If you came into work, whether that was in a physical location or you open up your laptop remotely and you began working, um, if someone, you know, saw that you had a bleeding appendage, <laughs> the last thing you'd want someone to say is, oh, don't worry about that. Uh, just uh, get to work and deal with that later. Well, of course, you're not going to be able to do any work because you're focused on this bleeding appendage. And what's tricky now with a lot of these mental health challenges that we're faced with are they're invisible ailments, but the ramifications are the same, right? If we show up and we're feeling extremely disconnected, 
to the work that we're doing, our teammates or our managers, then we're distracted at best and we're debilitated at worst. And so we've got to step in and start addressing this idea around connection and, and disconnection, because again, we're not being able to bring our full focus so that we can show up and deliver for our team members or clients and customers. Um, so the mental health piece is really important. And so in the book, back to your question around what we can do, we created a, a four-step framework and I'll share just two of those. So the first one is to, to look at loneliness, right? This awareness, which I've already mentioned. And another step is to, uh, we call it narrowing the focus. And one of the surprising ways that we've found to alleviate loneliness or, or disconnection, we were profiling astronauts and we profiled the story of Christina Koch and she's uh, the female that spent the most continuous time in outer space, 300 and 28 days. Which, and, go Christina, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy I mean, moly. Extraordinary, right? Like almost mm -hmm. a year in outer space. And she mm -hmm. saw a total of 11 people yep. over those yep. 300 plus days. That stuck so, with me, Ryan. I heard that. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. So we asked her, we said, well, how do you deal with isolation and loneliness? And her response was clear direction. You know, it wasn't get a pet or call her mom or <laughs> any of these other things, which are helpful. But to her, it was no clarity. Um, and so that's why one of the steps is we've got to get clarity for ourselves, for our teams in what we're doing. Um, because yeah, if you go for a hike, and you don't have a map, you're, you're susceptible to wander and wandering leads to being lost and lost is very lonesome. Um, so, so much of this comes back to our own ability to get clear in what it is that we're doing or the people we're serving or the types of work we're doing or the direction of our families or communities, and probably bigger picture is for leaders to be giving the appropriate direction to their team. So that's a that's one of many things that we can be thinking about as it relates to reducing disconnection. Thank you for sharing a little bit from your book too. I know we always appreciate that. And so you've given us a couple of those steps. Is that where you're working with organizations then to identify when the workforce is disconnecting and then what to do? Is your primary focus working with that leader or what would that look like? Typically, it looks like kind of three steps, essentially. So the first step is kind of awareness, um, which is usually a, a webinar or I do a lot of speaking, which I love. I love being in front of live audiences or virtual kind of talking about the significance of connection. Um, so kind of getting people bought in going, oh, gosh, this is a big deal. And, and then the next question is, well, what can we do? And step two, because we didn't just want to write the book and then, you know, uh, go on to the next topic yep. <laughs> yeah, or yep. disappear. Yep. Um, we wanted to create tools. So we actually worked with researchers out of Harvard and University of Canterbury and the University of Alabama. And we created the uh, first empirically validated assessment that actually quantifies how strongly connected a team is. So organizations can take that. And then the third phase is we created a scalable uh, solution. It's an AI tech platform where folks can actually uh, get matched inside an organization with folks that they are scientifically uh, proven to, to develop strong connections with. Wow. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're doing our best to give that is all so of our clients cool. what they need. <laughs> That's amazing. Really tapping into those AI opportunities. That's amazing. Gosh, I'm so grateful you guys are doing that. Yeah, this is a big, 
I mean, just everything you're saying, I understand why when people watch those webinars, or as my tech producer, Ben, and I both said, we, you know, as we listened into your presentation with HCI, we were kind of hanging on at your every word. So certainly makes sense that your first step there is that awareness. And as soon as you get people, you know, interested and really connected to the topic of connection. <laughs> I can see where where they're already like, give us more, give us more, give us more, I suspect. Yeah, and just trying to quantify it too, because it's so intangible, right? And if you think about it too, you think about, you know, for those listening, think about your own situation or your organization that you're working in. We have done a pretty poor job as far as creating metrics that measure how the team's doing. I mean, m- most of the performance metrics that we have, it's really about individual performance. So we're kind of incentivizing everyone to operate individually. And then we're asking them to do it in the context of a team. And it's contributing to this disconnection. We don't really feel the sense of belonging that we're working together towards this common goal. And so a big piece of this is trying to figure out, you know, we're trying to help organizations pinpoint exactly where there's some disconnection so they can focus their energies to really make sure, one, that performance improves collectively, but two, that worker well-being is improved. And and in our eyes, that's the balance that healthy organizations have to make. You have to prioritize worker well-being and also focus on performance. And those have to be balanced. And too many organizations are focusing too much on performance and then worker well-being is getting out of whack and it leads to high disconnection or burnout. And then the opposite, where you're catering to all the whims of your employees and you're not delivering for your end users or customers, that doesn't work. So it's this really tricky balance. And um, but yeah, we're excited about the tools we've built to step in that. So I feel like you're starting to create the concept for your next book here <laughs> with that last content there, putting it all together, helping organizations put it all together. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm always on the hunt. I like the audiences and the market to talk to me after a book comes out to figure out what's yeah. next. So oh, that's, that's so great cool. insight. Yeah. That's really cool that you've been able to do that. So I know you said you all are creating some tools um, that can be used. You talked about your AI tech platform and gave a really interesting, you know, kind of commentary around that balance and what organizations can do. Anything else out there or, or what you've suggested in terms of those tools that can be used to improve connection within that organization? Yeah, one of the other things that really stood out to us I'll give you uh, two ideas. The first being the number one contributor to our disconnection is busyness. Um, and research shows that when time constraints, when we have high, lots of time constraints, it severely limits our willingness to connect with others. It's so true. And, um, it's right. I mean, when we're focused on what we need to get done, we're heads down and we're ignoring everyone else around us. And so the organizations that understand this, they're trying to slow down a little bit. And one of the leaders we profiled in the book Um, they created what they called the inside scoop. And so it's really simple. Every week during their team meeting, they spend five minutes at the top of the meeting and one person from the team shares a picture. And the only rule is that picture has to be non-work related. And so they show this picture and they spend five minutes talking about this picture. And the example they shared with us is that this one individual who was seen as a very research-driven, competent person when she shared a picture of her marathon training, no one had any idea. She was this extraordinary athlete. Come to find out she had qualified for the Olympics. And so now they had all these new data points in which to connect with this individual. And so the goal there was to 
slow down a little bit, right? Not jump right into what needs to get done. Uh, you know, highlight a specific person and see the person behind the job in order to create some more connection amongst that team. So that's one way to do it, right? And you can do that digitally. You can do that, uh, you know, virtually in a virtual environment or you can do that in person. Another one that we found that was really helpful was was organizations that created either a formal or they had some sort of an informal peer-to-peer coaching uh, program. And so peer-to-peer is, is just what it sounds like is you find someone that's a peer of yours and you engage in a coaching session or coaching relationship where you're getting together every other week or once a month. And the peer-to-peer works that you're listening to that other individual for you know things that are going on in their personal life, professional as well. And you're simply just performing active listening. And then you perhaps uh, provide any encouragement or advice that might be appropriate. And then you switch and the roles reverse and the same happens again. And so whenever there's the lack of authority and there's just these peers that are able to engage in these this environment where they can um, really have kind of a safe space to be able to to share and connect and encourage, uh, it can go a long ways. And, and of course, the employee engagement survey that Gallup does, the Q12, one of the 12 questions that they always ask about uh, employee engagement and how they measure it is that one of the questions is, do you have a best friend at work? Yes, so I of, love that. I love yeah. that question. I talk about that question all the time. <gasps> it yes. really matters. It really it matters really if you does. have that strong connection with someone else. And so the peer-to-peer coaching is a great structure or program to think about as it relates to connection at work. Again, I have so many things uh, that I would love to just sit and chit chat with you. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to ask you about when you're talking about this, um, do you find or have you heard, is it challenging when organizations make a commitment to do this? One of the things that I've found is when we commit to doing something like that, it's the first thing that gets canceled on our calendar. Do you ever hear that? Uh, yeah, I mean, like it's almost like, well, it's extra. That's extra. That's an right. extra thing. That's not my job. You know what I, you had said earlier time, right? Time. We get mm-hmm. so heads down and that's where that disconnection sometimes can come from. And then when, and then we cancel those things that are going to help us improve connection. Do you ever hear anything like that with organizations? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that's just human nature. If something's not on fire, we're hard pressed to prioritize the things that we know that are good for us long-term and, you know, in the book, too, we give happy hours a really hard time. <laughs> we, we stress that, you know, exactly what you're, you're talking about is usually because everyone's so busy. If you're just doing a happy hour to try to connect folks, one, you're putting on another commitment that on an already, you know, already hard pressed for time group. So they're reluctantly going to this thing. Um, usually when people arrive there, they fall into the Uh, common information effect, which is you only speak about what you have most in common, which tends to be work. So connections remain shallow. And then we typically, um, birds of a feather flock together. So it's usually the IT folks will stick together. The sales folks will stick together. The uh, the sales managers or the, uh, the managers in general will stick together. And we don't really, you know, get to know others outside of our circles. And so um, I think a way around that, that organizations that we've talked to is, you know, take a standing meeting that everyone already has planned, they're already expecting to be there and use that as a time to connect, right? Use that as the the happy hour, right? To, to you know, transform that into something that is enjoyable or, you know, people 
kind of get a refreshing uh, connection point. Something else I think that just came to mind that I'll share this really funny example that we heard recently, because what we're also getting wrong here is we're misconstruing communication and connection. Everyone feels like we're more connected than ever before because of they're thinking it in the context of technology, right? I'm, I'm emailing so-and-so and instant messaging and we can do Zoom calls and we feel connected, but what we're doing over those tech connections is communication. So communication happens in the front of our brain and connection though is what's felt between two people and that happens in the back of our brain. So communication is dealt, right? It's the exchange. Communication is dealt, but connection is felt. And too often we're communicating all day, right? We're just pushing around information. This is what we're doing on these team meetings. And there was a great example that we heard of a CEO. Um, She was leading a very large organization and she was new to the role. And this was like right in the middle of the pandemic, you know, uncertainty was high, morale was low. And there she was on her on the all hands, you know, company wide meeting. And she was kind of doing her readout and she just knew it was falling flat. She wasn't connecting. She was just communicating everything she needed to. And so she knew she needed to do something to connect with this group. And so when her information was done and she passed it over, this was a virtual meeting was all, everyone was attending virtually. She passed it over to her uh, executive team, but she continued to share her screen um, and she did this intentionally and everyone else, right? Imagine being on the other side of this, you know, freaking out thinking the CEO hasn't like stopped sharing her screen. Like, oh no, what is she going to do? So knowing full well, she went to Google and she typed in as everyone's watching with bated breath, she typed in things CEOs should say during hard times. <laughs> so she typed that into Google as a joke. And she said that uh, the amount of emails she got afterwards about how great and refreshing that was, because it was hilarious. People were saying they've never seen so many smiles on their Zoom call before. And it's a great example of, of the difference between communication and connection. All right. So she connected with them by being, you know, a little bit vulnerable and using humor. And um, that's what people responded to. Not all of the communication that she was doing on the front end. So that's a really important indicator. Yeah. And when you can wrap your hands around that, at the end of the day, it doesn't take much time to cultivate that connection. It just takes a lot of intentionality. Absolutely. And not just going heading off to the next thing, because I do feel like that's kind of where if we're not intentional about it, I think that's what tends to happen. We just stay in that. What did you say? We That we're dealing, we're continuously dealing our communication yeah. <laughs> versus feeling that connection because we're just moving on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a great story. I wonder if that changed the trajectory of future <laughs> virtual sessions with her team. Yeah, that'd be a great follow-up, but certainly it changed that one that day, right? That particular, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe it changed for those folks who were on there for their next, you know, get-together in a virtual event. Like, hey, I'm going to take a moment to, oh gosh, well, that's neat. Well, yeah, this is forever, uh, Ryan, these two words of dealt and felt. Wow, as soon as you said that, I wrote them down, I circled them. That's such a great way because I think you're right. I think we do. And, And you talk about generations, 
right? And so especially with all the variety of generations that are in our workforce and us being so reliant on technology, I 100% agree that there's people that still have that belief that, well, I'm communicating with them all day long. (laughs) Well, yes, you are communicating with them all day long. That's not connection. Yeah. I mean, you know, listeners can uh, apply this to your personal life. You've probably texted, I love you to a significant other a couple times a day, but it doesn't carry the same weight until you're in person and you, they can feel those words versus just seeing those words. That's such a great, great way to explain it. So, yeah. So then I, of course, I'm going to ask you this question. How have you personally improved connections after I'm sure such a vast experience with writing this book and even your experiences post its release? So what can you mention any personal changes? Yeah, they say that authors write the books that they themselves need to read. (laughs) And uh, that was true of me. I mean, I'm an introvert, although I love which I would have never guessed. Exactly. (laughs) I would have never guessed. Yeah. I love having conversations like this with you, Cindy, and being on the virtual webinars or doing keynotes. Uh, But that's the tip of the iceberg, right? All the other work that goes into sessions like these is quiet time, researching, studying, crafting. And that's where I thrive as an introvert. But I wrote a book about connection and my fellow introverts can probably relate um, that are listening that I always thought, oh, I want to keep my circle of friends you know, tight. And I don't, I don't need more friends. I want to continue to expand my network. I want to go deep with the connections that I have. And so that would mislead me. And that when I would connect with someone who I knew I wouldn't be seeing again, say someone, you know, writing, sharing an elevator with somebody, I just never made it a point to try to connect with that person. Cause I thought, well, you know, what's the point? I'll never see them again. And, you know, spending three years researching this topic, I now know that that's my brain misleading. That's my brain protecting me from rejection. And it's keeping me from the boosted well-being of conversing and connecting with others. And research also tells us that it takes as little as 40 seconds to have loneliness reduced in a two-person interaction. And how I've changed now is I, this is my new mantra, it's connections don't have to be lasting to be meaningful. So next time I'm in that, every time now that I'm in an elevator, I always try to break the social script. That's also important to break these social scripts that we all follow instead of saying, you know, how you doing? Fine. How you doing? Good. And then we're done, right? No, you have to subtly break those. And the way I do it is I always say, how's your day going? Um, It's just a subtle tweak. And then, of course, I'm always genuinely interested to know how that individual's day going. And Cindy, it's wild to see the shoulders drop of people and how they immediately snap into the present and they see me and we're both then connected in that that moment. And and that's all it takes. And we exchange a couple pleasantries or comments and then that's it. And we go up off our separate ways. And as an introvert, I can uh, attest that it is uh, I will never stop doing that because I'm my well-being is boosted. I know there, theirs is as well. And it just, again, it doesn't take much. It just takes a commitment and some intentionality uh, to do that. But that's how I've changed my behaviors because I know it's just that important. And I also like to think of my well-being as like a battery, right? And we don't just connect once with someone and we're charged forever. We have to consistently connect with others to keep our batteries full. Um, And that's the tricky thing about this, right? It's an ongoing, never-ending thing. But boy, if we're wanting to have more fulfilling work and personal lives, then in my opinion, connection is it. Yeah, I feel... 
relieved because, and I'm blanking on the company that does these commercials, but there's these commercials. I think it's an insurance company out there. And it's like, basically we're turning into our parents. And when I am anywhere, I'm at the grocery, I'm getting gas. I'm like in LA, I'm anywhere. And I'm talking to people. Oh, when are you due? How's your day? You know, I'm always doing that. And I always see those commercials. I'm like, oh my gosh, I am turning into my mom. (laughs) But now I can say, no, I am just creating a connection. That is what I am doing. (laughs) And we're, and I think, you know, people are always kind of try to, you know, like, well, is it introverts, extroverts, you know, who, who I'm, I'm like, Everyone craves connection. We all pine for people. So doesn't matter. Actually, here's a good trick to know if, if someone is wanting connection, Cindy, and everyone listening. If they have a pulse, if they are breathing, <laughs> they're craving connection. So don't discriminate. So next time you see someone with a pulse... <laughs> That's perfect. I love that. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing how it's changed for you. And I think it does give us, I always say on my podcast, when we have an opportunity to inspire others, I, you know, I always like to kind of uh, tag into that a little bit too. So I think you definitely provided that. And, you know, as we're more connected, we bring those connections to others. So I think it's just a pay it forward type of an experience. Well, hey, I have like this kind of random question that's kind of related to connection, but would you be up for one more question? Yeah, absolutely. I promise it won't be painful, but (laughs) (laughs) so this was interesting. And oftentimes, even in my podcast, I'm drawing on from maybe what my experiences have been during the week, but um, so I was in class this week and I was fortunate I had a couple of folks in one of my HCI classes. And I had a couple of folks that had have at some point been an in-person instructor. And so we got talking about it and I was sharing with them. I'm like, yeah, I just recently, you know, had an opportunity to do an in-person retreat and uh, see people's faces actually, you know, looking at me. And I asked my client, I said, please, please, please make sure you give me feedback. I feel so rusty being in person. So we got talking about it and it seemed that all the few of us that were talking about it, we've all kind of been struggling with that from being in-person instructors. Then we're almost exclusively now virtual. And now is obviously, you know, um, you know, we're starting to move around, but we're starting to make connections again. Um, face-to-face connections again. Um, So what's been your take for moving from in-person virtual to in-person? How has that transition been for you as a speaker? Yeah. I mean, um, it's been a ride. I'll tell you, I'll I'll tell you that. Um, But the events that I'm doing now as of, you know, this year, 2022, folks have been so excited to come back and you can feel the energy when people get back in the room. But my gosh, I mean, virtual is, I mean, it's forever on the table now and it'll be here to stay. And it's a great option too, right? I mean, we can't always be everywhere at these conferences, right? If there's a conference you want to attend to and you've got a conflict, well, perhaps you can join virtually or get the recording of portions of it on the back end. So like, those are great options. But I think what people, and I like your comment, what you said towards the top, that we're getting to understand that physical fitness is important. We know that mental fitness is is becoming more important, right? You think about meditation and all these great apps that we're using to kind of keep our mental wits about us. But the other component we're not thinking as much about is social fitness. Um, 
Like it's a muscle. And if we don't exercise our social muscle, it atrophies. As we all know, when we crawled out of the quarantines, it was clunky, like you're saying. And it was very (laughs) weird. And so we have to stay in it. So I think people should be careful not to choose convenience over connection because it's what humans do really well is we love to go to the past of least resistance. And oftentimes that path of least resistance is just in front of a computer screen. And while that's effective and we should use it from time to time, don't have that be the replacement, right? Because hopefully we've made a compelling case as to why connection is so important. And we've got to get in these, whether it's a conference or whether it's in-person training or something else, like we have to prioritize these connection points. And if you're still trying to navigate the, should we be hybrid or fully remote or in-person, doesn't really matter because we can create connections in all those environments, but the key is to have a connection plan. And I still think it's super important to prioritize in-person connection. Um, So anyway, I'm not sure if that answered the question. No, it's perfect. Because (laughs) as you were talking about that, I think the one thing for me, and I can only speak for myself, not the other folks I was having the chit chat with, but there's almost like that fear again. And I did this religiously before. I have always been an in-person instructor. Um, and then you get comfortable, right, behind a screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was there was this tinge of fear, you know, when I went back in uh, just recently into the classroom. But you're right. The gift of that is greater than the fear, mm-hmm. right? That gift of connection and that social um, social health is greater than that little bit little twinge of fear that you or anxiety that you might have to go back into the classroom. So no, I think you answered that perfectly. And thank you for just having some fun with me about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, we are gonna wrap up here, Ryan. Any last comments to take us out? No, thank you for for listening. If anyone wants to connect with me or learn more about our work, uh, the best place to find us is at connectionmadeeasy.com. So connectionmadeeasy.com. But yeah, we're always willing to help and step in and answer more questions. But thank you, Cindy, for a wonderful conversation and looking forward to keeping in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. Same, same. And uh, check Ryan out. Some really cool stuff that he's been up to. So, So take advantage of that. All right. Well, Nine to Thrive listeners, just a few things to wrap up here. Uh, Just a reminder, as I said at the top of our time together, do shoot us an email if you do have any suggestions for topics at podcasts at hci.org. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. And we really mean it, you all. Your rating helps other professionals and talent-minded people discover our program. So for Nine to Thrive HR and all of us here at HCI, we appreciate you and also Ryan, thank you so much for being here with us today for tuning in. Make it a great day, everyone.